Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 822 with Stephanie Robson. This is part two of our three-part business plan series. So again, you've got to know a lot about your concept when you do your pro forma to say, okay, the most people we can put through in an hour based on the menu we have, the service model, how long it takes people to order and go through the meal experience. The most we can do in an hour is you know, 110 or whatever it is. So don't estimate you're going to do more covers than that in an hour because your model can't handle it. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant unstoppable, Stoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. Restaurant owners know it can be almost impossible to keep everything up to date, even making adjustments on your menu. And I know it's probably one of the most important marketing tools out there, if not the most important marketing tool. That's why I'm so happy to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. Pop Menu seriously is the full digital solution for independent restaurant owners. When you invest in Pop Menu, you get a dynamic interactive menu that hooks your customers from the start. And let me tell you, they really do love that review feature. You get a mobile-friendly website, and I cannot stress to you enough how many people miss the importance of a solid website. And you also get marketing and integrations to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. What are you waiting for? As you can see, Pop Menu gives restaurateurs all the tools they need to put the focus back on what matters the most, the people and the food. Trust me, if you are a restaurant owner, you need to check out Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. 
for a limited time only, my listeners get $100 off their first month plus an unchanging lifetime rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. What's going on, Unstoppables? Now, if it sounds like I'm recording this from my phone while I'm in the car, it's because I'm recording this on my phone while I'm in the car. I'm actually headed up to Bar Harbor, Maine, uh, Cadia National Park, and I have always wanted to go. Uh, I've never been really north of Portland, Maine on the coast. I think that's a shame. So, it's the last week of the summer. I'm making it a point to get out for some mental health, and I'm headed to Bar Harbor, uh, Acadia National Park. And I'm, uh, I'm so sorry if this audio quality is bothering you, but we have a great episode for you today, and uh, the whole episode is not recorded like this, so, so don't worry. <laughs> we're doing a part two of our business planning workshops. We're covering pro formas. This is a very heavy episode. So get ready, and I highly recommend you hit pause right now, and you head over to our YouTube channel, and you watch the video component of today's episode, because a, there's a lot of visuals. She references a, a spreadsheet throughout the whole episode. It's actually the spreadsheet that you get when you join restaurantowner.com, and if you guys are not aware when you sign up for Restaurant Unstoppable Network, you get six months free access to restaurantowner.com and you get the community of Restaurant Unstoppable, the support of uh, Restaurant Unstoppable community. So, lots of great stuff in today's episode. I highly recommend, again, you hit pause right now, go to YouTube, watch the channel, or join restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com. All right, here it is. Enjoy it. With excitement, allow me to welcome back on the show for a second time, Stephanie Robson. Stephanie, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am more unstoppable than ever today, Eric. Yes. I got a dog beside me. I got trucks going by outside. I'm energized by both of those things. I'm ready to go. Dog is, dog is all you need to be unstoppable. That's for sure. And I'm excited for today's conversation. We're going over part two of our three-part business plan business plan series again with Stephanie Robson. And today we're going to be doing pro formas. And I think I'm just going to be getting the heck out of your way. Uh, this is the, the, the nerdy geeky numbers stuff is just not for me, but that's oh. why we have you here to dive into it, to pull back the layers. I can't wait to get started. I get, I'm just going to kind of let you take it from here. I should mention that uh, if you are listening to just the audio version of this, there is going to be a heavy video component today. We're going to be going over the restaurantowner.com template that Stephanie helped develop. Uh, and I'll kind of let you take it from there. You can probably describe that a little bit better, but just know that if you head over to our YouTube cha- to our YouTube channel, you can watch the video there. And we'll also have this over at Restaurant Unstoppable Network where uh, we, we host all these workshops. So I think with that said, I can get out of the way and let you take it from here. Stephanie, go for it. Sure. Happy to. And don't be afraid of numbers. Numbers are great. Numbers are great. But the the challenge we have with business planning is your pro forma is harder than the numbers you have for an operating business, right? Because when you're running a restaurant, you have data, right? Your point of sale system is telling you how you're performing and you can use that to adjust your operations. But when you're doing a new 
business, a new food business, you don't have that data. So for a lot of people, this is really scary stuff. And how do you come up with a pro forma for a restaurant that doesn't exist yet? So what I want to do this morning, a couple things. I'm going to give you a couple of sort of thumb rule benchmark values. And then I'm going to get a little bit deeper into how do you figure out what you think your revenues might look like. We probably won't have a chance to get to expenses that much because it's a relatively short session this morning. So I won't talk a lot about expenses, but if we want to have a little Q&A afterwards, we can talk about some benchmarks for expenses as well. But I'm going to focus on revenues a lot. And in order to do this, you've got to have a really good sense of what your concept is. And for a lot of people who are starting restaurants, you might not really have nailed down exactly what you're offering or exactly how you're going to produce it. So you can do some sort of preliminary performer work, but to do a really good one, you've got to have some good understanding of what your operation is all about. So let's start off with a couple of these thumb rules. Um, the one that I think is the most helpful is what the, the nerds among us call the occupancy cost thumb rule. And occupancy cost, it sounds like it's extremely complicated. It's not. It's just all the money you spend on your real estate when you're in operations. So things like what you pay in rent, that's part of your occupancy cost. Your share of the property taxes, that's part of your occupancy cost. Your share of any building insurance. So occupancy cost is rent, your share of property taxes, your share of building insurance. And I say your share because when you rent space, you probably have to pay a little bit on top of your rent to give the landlord some money for those things, for building insurance, property tax. And there might be something called CAM or common area maintenance. So those all together are your occupancy costs. And sometimes it's all lumped into your rent. Just make sure your lease is very clear about how those things are being accommodated. But you've got all those things. That occupancy cost, and here's the thumb roll part, should be no more than 10% of your revenues. So what you spend in rent and all the other stuff that you spend to occupy your space should be no more than 10% of your revenues. That doesn't include your utilities and other stuff like that, but just your rent. So if you know that thumb rule, you can kind of estimate what your revenues have to be in order for you to afford that particular site that you're considering. So the occupancy cost thumb rule is a really nice thing to do when you're looking at possible locations and you got a sense of what the rent might be. You can do some quick calculations. Okay, this is what my rent is. Divide that by 10%. That tells me how much revenue I have to generate in order for this space to be a good one for me. So mm. that's kind of your first tool. Have now, you- I, have to say, I have to say when I when talking to people, when they talk about the mistakes they made. It almost seems like they try to go too big too soon. So they, they might start with a 25% occupancy cost. Where, where, and then, you know what I'm saying? I'm, not, I'm just making that number up, but it seems like there's a clear pattern of people always trying to go too big too soon. They don't have the cash flow up front because they haven't established that business, that cash flow, uh, and they almost always overextend early on. I think this is probably one of the biggest uh, contributors of the biggest, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know, components of overextending. What are your thoughts there? Absolutely. Small is good when you're first starting. Don't be tempted to take on a lot of square footage, or if you're listening from outside the United States, square meters of space. 
because you have to pay for that space, whether people are sitting in it and eating or not. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Keep it tight. But that 10% better than 10% too, right? <laughs> 8% good, but you 10% is you're doing pro forma, right? So you're, yeah. you want to sort of try to get a sense of what you have to be able to achieve to make yep. this space work for you. Got it, got and the it. reason you want to start with that is now you can kind of back into what your revenues might be based on your concept. And now you can compare it to that thumb roll. So I always start with, okay, what, what do you sort of have to make as a benchmark? And then what might you make based on your concept? Okay. So that's where we're going to go next is what might you make? Now, here's where a lot of people go off the rails. Um, the first thing you need to know is what your average check is likely to be. And a lot of people kind of, you know, lick their finger and hold it in the air and go, ah, I'm thinking this is going to be kind of a $20 average check place. That might be good when you're first doing some back of the napkin calculations, but it's not going to be good enough for doing your performa. In order to work out your average check, you need to have a pretty good sense of what your menu is going to be like and how you break it down and also what your pricing is going to be. And that I can't tell you in this session. You're going to, there's lots of ways you can learn about your food cost and figure out what you need to make uh, in terms of your menu pricing to make that work. Um, but you need to calculate your average check. You need to figure out how many covers or how many units of sales you're going to do. And I'm going to say covers because in the restaurant world, like that's the term we use, but it varies depending on what kind of concept it is, if it's table service or if you're doing a delivery only concept. So we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. But you need average check, you need covers, and then you need something which a lot of people don't think about. Um, a lot of people make the mistake of figuring out their average check and how many covers they might do in a week. And then they multiply that by 52 and say, there's my pro forma, right? 52 weeks in the year. This is what I think I'm going to do every week times 52. Why is that a problem? <laughs> yeah. No, you right now you can see where the problem is with that. And a lot of uh, uh, templates out there in the world for restaurants, and I've seen these in books and they don't allow you to uh, adjust for different uh, performance in different weeks. And depending on your concept, you might know to yourself, okay, we're a concept that really, maybe we're in a college town. I'm going to use that example because I'm in a college town. And there are certain weeks of the year that we know are nutty, right? When, when students arrive, and by the way, they're all starting to arrive here in Ithaca now, the, the minivans from New Jersey are all going past my house. And I know that every restaurant in town is going to be slammed for the next maybe 10 days. And then it kind of tapers off. And then we have homecoming and there's another wave and then it tapers off and so on. So depending on which market you're in, you're going to have some weeks that are really busy. So what I want to do is show you the template that I think is most helpful. And this is the one that's on restaurantowner.com. And that allows you to compute your average check, figure out your covers, and then do this adjustment week by week. So you get a better picture of what you think your total revenues might be. All right. So that's where we're going to go. Um, I'm going to share my screen. And Eric, I know, has made it available to me. Thank you, Eric. Look You're welcome. You. So three, three thumb rules that I picked up. I want to make sure we got them all. The occupancy cost. You want to make sure you're paying attention to that. Uh, we have what your average check is going to be. It's not the same. Uh, sorry. Uh, you want to look at your pricing, your menu. Uh, and then we have how many covers, and it's not going to be the same every week. Those are the big takeaways I took. Am I missing anything? 
No, that's that's really that's good. I'm glad you're keeping tabs. Somebody, um, somebody has to keep track of what's going on. Somebody, around somebody here. has to. So <laughs> I want to. Can, can everyone see my screen, which has an Excel spreadsheet on it? Yes. Okay. And just so you know, this can be downloaded at restaurantowner.com. Um, I checked, uh, and this this actual spreadsheet is available to you. There's actually two files up there. One of them is the one I'm showing you here, which is called sample and it's been filled in. There's sort of a a sample restaurant, but there's also a template, which is blank. In other words, the whole model is there, but it doesn't have any data in it. And you put the data in yourself. And I encourage you to download both of them and look at the sample first and kind of get your bearings a little bit. Um, This is a big spreadsheet. Uh, I know because I spent a lot of time with this spreadsheet and I've taught this spreadsheet to a lot of students and at first, it's like, oh, my gosh, there's just so much here. And I'm not an Excel person. And, ah, you know, what do I do first? Um, I'm going to walk you through a few parts of it. But as I do it, I'll kind of walk you through the logic of why you're doing what you're doing so that when you're doing it for yourself, it'll be a lot easier than just staring at a blank screen. Um, so this template, and this is the sample I'm showing you, but this template has several steps to it. And the nice thing is the first tab in the spreadsheet walks you through the steps, right? So when you're starting a restaurant plan, right, you start off with what kind of operation is this? Um, And then you're going to figure out capital budget. We're going to talk about that next week. So capital budget, just kind of put it aside for now, even though I have it as the second step in this template, I'm not going to worry about it quite yet. Then we get to the things we just talked about, right? Average check, cover and or order counts. And then we're going to talk a little bit about step seven, which is this adjustment for seasonal change. And there's other stuff in between. And I don't know that we're going to get to those this morning, but you can see what they talk about, right? Hourly labor and cost of goods sold and a few other things. If those terms already are like, I don't know what she's talking about. Don't worry. I know there's lots of resources to help you both on the Restaurant Unstoppable Network, as well as on restaurantowner.com. I'm literally raising my hand right now, and I yes, love. Yes, Do you have a question? A little, a literal professor, professor here teaching us. So this just feels like I'm going back in time to college right now. <laughs> I want to remind everybody that if you are not in RestaurantOwner.com, if you're not a member of RestaurantOwner.com, when you join Restaurant Unstoppable Network, you get six months free access. So don't let this stop you from diving into the stuff. So just a reminder to take advantage of the 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 freeness that comes with being a part of the Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Keep going. That that tool, by the way, restaurantowner.com, there's a lot of stuff there. Oh, so much. I mean, it's just, it's like a fire hose. So uh, that's six months. You'll be very, very busy with those six months. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So what I'd like to do is start a little bit about, to do your average check, we need to know a little bit about your business. Okay. So I'm going to jump to this tab, which is the one that talks about your business. And so you're going to... Talk a little bit about what kind of restaurant it is. And this is going to build some information for you in the model. But you do need to specify a few things. If you are a restaurant with table service, you need to specify how many seats you have. Um, now, when I say table service, I mean like servers coming to the table, taking orders and so on. But you might have some variation in that. You might have the kind of model where people go up to a counter and they order and they pay and then they go sit down and a server runs them the food. If that's the case, you still need to put in the number of seats you have. Um, and we even have a little way you can identify what kind of restaurant it is. 
And this, there's some magic that happens in this template that help you with some calculations, depending on which of these you choose. But I'm going to click over here just to get that out of the way. But the thing that's important here, there's two parts I want to show you. One is this thing where it says day parts offered. This is where you're telling the model and you're sort of thinking for yourself, what meal periods am I going to offer and what days of the week? And in this particular model, if I click on each of these little boxes, there's just a yes or no choice. If you don't put anything in here, it assumes no. But you might want to say, ah, you know, there's some days of the week we just don't see real value in opening either because there's not a lot of demand or we want to make sure we give ourselves a day of the week for things like inventory or it's tough to get staffing, whatever it might be. And if you don't use all these day parts for your concept, that's fine. It's not important if you don't have happy hour or brunch or what have you. But you'll want to set these up so that later on when you're figuring out your sales, it's using information based on your particular day part offerings. So when are you serving? And then there's another part I'd like to show you, which is down here. And what this says here is sales adjustments. And we just mentioned, right, that some weeks are going to be different. Some weeks are going to be really busy. Some weeks, you know, are going to be quiet. You know, that week between Christmas and New Year's, perhaps for you is a quiet week. Maybe it's going to be off the charts. Depends on your concept. But you do want to indicate sort of a guess of what kind of additional sales you think you might see on a really great week. And for a slow week, how much less than typical do you expect to see? And so you can enter some percentages here. If I think it's going to be a great week, I'm going to do 25% more than my normal week or my typical week. Maybe I'll put 125% here. Um, if it's a really slow week and I'm expecting it to be you know, pretty sad, maybe it's 75% or 60%. And you can change these numbers on the fly, but this is important because you need to recognize that not all weeks are the same. And if you don't calculate your revenues based on these adjustments, you may end up with overstatement of what your revenues are likely to be. All right. So that's the only thing I want to show you on this part of the model. Okay. Now brace yourself. This is going to look a little scary. Don't worry. I'm going to go to the check averages part of the model. And I'm hoping everyone can see the part of the model here that says in blue, it says table service. And then next to it says takeout, drive through curbside. This is for if you're doing sales that are not actually being served in your restaurant. This isn't delivery. This is just food that's going outside your door that you control. Delivery, we have a separate section for that as well. Yeah. Real quick about different uh, segments that we have, uh, Stephanie. So you have your, your breakfast, your lunch. Um, why separate delivery from those? So would you have, is that, is the delivery going to be, or, or sorry, you have a, your, your table service, your takeout, your drive through, your curbside group together, your table service on its own, your delivery on its own. Uh, what's the benefit of segregating those? Ah, good question. Well, segregating the delivery is so that we can compute the commissions that you have to pay to your delivery company. So you could do sort of a looser calculation and say, here's what I think my sales are. Here's what proportion of those sales are going to be delivery and then charge the commissions on that. And that's, that's fine for a very sort of quick and dirty calculation. If you want to be a little more precise with your pro forma, um, that's why we split it out in the model. I like that. 
Okay. And then the table side or uh, the, the curbside and takeout, um, you might have orders that are not being occupied or not being sold in the restaurant. Um, so when you figure out your number of orders, we have to break it into people who are in the restaurant because those are covers and then ones that aren't in the restaurant. So you'll see why these are there. But if you're charging the same amount for the same items, you can just copy the information over. You don't have to re-input for each item on this. But let me show you what you've got here because it's, it's kind of confusing at first and it looks horrifying, but it's not. Every time you see a yellow cell in this model, that's where you enter information. So if it's not yellow, just leave it alone. It's going to calculate everything you need on its own. And what each part of this uh, part of the template is doing is figuring out the average check for each meal period. And it's doing it based on what kinds of items are on the menu for that meal period. What proportion of guests you think might order an item in that category, right? So not everybody, for example, if you look at beverages, and here we're looking at breakfast, um, hopefully you don't have too many people having drinks with breakfast. Um, maybe, maybe you do. We do have a category for brunch further down. So if you want to have a different breakfast and brunch setup, um, we've got that available here for you. But you might say, yeah, you know, during breakfast, we don't have anybody ordering alcohol. So 0% of customers are going to order liquor, beer, or wine. But maybe most people are going to order a hot beverage, you know, a coffee, a cappuccino, whatever it is. Maybe 75% of guests order those. And these numbers, you are making these up. <laughs> You're guessing. But this is based on the concept that you've got and the research you've done on your market. So you're putting in what you think the average price point will be for each of these items on your menu. And you can change all of this. If you are an Excel person, um, you can get this template. You can unlock it. Right now, it is locked, so you can't automatically or, or by mistake make a change that will mess things up. But you can enter whatever you need here to reflect your concept. We've put in what we think is kind of the standard, you know, for breakfast and for lunch and for dinner. And then we've got a happy hour and a brunch, as I mentioned. But you might adjust this depending on your own concept. What this calculation also does is look at the number of orders of each category. Now, this is kind of a little confusing. So let's take a look at an example. Let's look at the dinner average check calculation here. So you'll see that we've got a price point for apps, main dishes, sides, desserts. If you aren't using one of these, you can just enter a zero here. You don't have to actually have something in each category if your restaurant concept doesn't include those. I'm going to put that back just so that... That was one of my questions. So if, if our restaurant concept doesn't include one of these items, the, the, the appropriate action is to go through and zero it out to get the actual numbers. You can zero it out. Absolutely. And same thing with days of the week. If you are not offering a certain day of the week, if you say no in that first tab I showed you, um, it will automatically set that up and say, okay, we're not going to compute that day. Okay. Wes, you've got a question? Yeah. So I had some questions about the percentages, uh, percent ordered. Mm -hmm. So uh, it looks like the percent ordered is the percentage of people that when they come in, they would order. Correct. So, for example, you might looking at here at dinner, 
it says 85% of guests order a main dish. And you might think, well, doesn't everybody order an entree? But no, not necessarily. You've got people who just either are small appetites or they are just coming in for a snack. Um, so 100% here would mean that every guest gets something in this category, always. And that's pretty unusual. Um, this sample here is showing 60% of guests we think will order an appetizer, maybe 75% of guests will order a side, but then look at the number next to it where it says number of orders with sides. Maybe we're assuming that 75% of guests will order two sides. Mm -hmm. So you can adjust this number. If you're a concept where, you know, let's say we're your classic meat and three, right? For the price, you get an entree and three sides. You might say, well, pretty much everybody's getting three. So you'd enter a three in this column. I do see a scenario where if you were like a quick service that focused on just doing burgers, that's like literally all you had on the menu, then you could probably assume, and maybe you have like a, a veggie burger for option, right? You can assume like 90% of the orders is going to be a burger at that point. Yeah. So like you do see scenarios where you might be fully swung to, in one direction. Absolutely. Um, and this is where your understanding of your concept in your market is so important. What this is doing, I just looked at the time and had a minor panic, um, so I'm going to keep moving along. What this is doing then is calculating an average check for food and an average check for, for alcohol. Now, when you're doing an early estimate, you don't have to be that precise. It, this becomes an issue when we're trying to figure out how much you're spending on your cost of goods sold, right? What you're spending to buy food, what you're spending to buy alcohol. And that's why we've split these out in the model. But the magic number here that's important for you at this stage is the average check, right? So it calculates for you what the average check is going to be based on this weighing of whether people are ordering entrees or appetizers and how many are they sharing, so notice under desserts here at lunch, under dessert, it says number of orders 0.5. Well, people don't say, I want just a half a dessert. This is people sharing. So if you know you've got items on your menu that are typically shared, this is a really good way to account for that. All right. So very geeky, but this is a kind of good way of looking at your average check. Now, I'm going to jump to the next part of the model, which is the sales projection. And again, it looks a little horrifying. Don't worry. Uh, where Again, where you see yellow is where you would actually enter information. And again, this is broken out by the categories that you might have in your concept, both you know, dine-in, takeout, delivery, and so on. I won't scroll across and possibly get things out of control, but we've got that all set up for you. And it has smartly looked at what you said you were doing in the first tab. Am I offering service on Monday? Nope. So it already just knows that and says you've got no turns. And when I use the word turn here, I'm referring to tables, right? So table service. It's using turns because it's calculating off of how many seats you have in your restaurant. Okay to get to how many covers or how many orders you actually have. So we've got dine-in. If you're not a dine-in concept, we've got number of orders. So you put in how many sales you think you're going to do, how many individual orders, and same thing for delivery and so on. And for those of you who want to do catering or have special events, there's a chunk of this tab that also addresses that, how many events, how many people, and so on is all built in here. So you can put in 
for different days of the week, what you think your volume might look like. Now, where does this information come from, right? You're, you're pulling it out of the air, but there are some good tools out there to get a sense of what volume looks like different days of the week. You, I'm sure you all have dug around in your competition using Google, right? We all go look at competitive restaurants. Well, one of the things I really like is to look at Google. You can see that sort of traffic calculation. It tells you, you know, on a typical Tuesday at this time of day, how much activity there is. That's a really good way of getting a sense of what you think your volume might look like. Now, don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, my restaurant's just going to be better. So I'm going to have more volume than the competition does during that time of day or that day of the week. Try not to go down that path. Try to be a little conservative and say, well, you know, okay, my competitive set looks like they might have this kind of volume on Tuesdays at lunch. I'm going to assume I'm going to be about the same. Safe assumption. If you do better than that, hooray, that's great. But I think for the pro forma, you want to be conservative because you want to make sure when you go back and do that occupancy cost calculation and compare what you think you're going to do against what you know you need to do, that you're not being overly optimistic in order to hit that occupancy cost thumb roll. All right. So you put in to the model how many cover or excuse me, how many turns you think you might do of your restaurant at different meal periods, how many orders you might have for takeout if you're doing takeout or curbside, how many delivery orders you might think you have. And you might think I'm only going to do delivery at night. So some meal periods, there won't be any delivery. That's fine. Again, you can build that into your calculation. And what this will do is figure out for each day of the week, based on these pieces of information and the average check you've calculated, what your sales might look like. All right. I'm going to stop there for a second and see if anybody has a question or Eric, if you want to clarify something for the gang. Um, I'm, I'm learning with the gang as we go. And this is a really great tool. Uh, I have no questions. I'm curious if anybody else says now's a good time to get them out. Looks like I have no hands going up. Keep going forward. Okay. Wait, wait. Just, just, sorry. Quick question. You said that this is a weekly, um, number, right? Yeah. This is for each day of the week and it will total it to your weekly for you. And if you really want to get into the, the nitty gritty at the bottom, it calculates for you. Your food, liquor, your beer sales, all that good stuff, day of the week, and then it gives you for the whole week. Now, and that's a great, I'm so glad you you raised this question because that is a perfect segue to what I'm going to talk about next, which is, remember, not all weeks are the same. So this part of your calculation is, what's a typical week look like? But you remember when we talked about that first setup where we are establishing, you know, when, what meal periods we were serving and then what a good week or a great week looked like and a slow week. Now that's where that comes into play. We're going to take this weekly number and then we're going to tweak it to get a sense of what our revenues look like for the whole year. Yeah. So actually one quick question you, you did go over, uh, aside from the, the spreadsheet, you did go over tools to estimate prices. Uh, you mentioned look, talking to your competitors, going to Google to look at traffic, and you want to lean on the conservative. Are there any other key elements as far as projecting those estimated prices that we should discuss before moving on? Well, there's prices and there's there's cover counts, volume, right? So with Cover counts and volume, all those things you mentioned, you're looking at the competition using Google. Another really great tool to sort of estimate cover counts is to figure out 
what are your demand generators? Now, that's just where is the source of your customer base coming from? If your restaurant is likely to be located right next to, I'm going to keep using colleges because that's where I am. You know, if you're right outside the gates of the college, your demand generator is the college, right? And all the students and maybe the professors and, and staff that work there. If you're in an urban area, it might be a shopping mall or it might be maybe not today shopping malls. But yeah, so those are your demand generators. So you can look at those and see what their volume looks like as well as your competitors. Pricing is a whole different animal um, because it's going to be a function of what you're serving and how much you're paying for those items. Mm -hmm. Um, And also what is the reference price in your market for that item? A reference price just means what people are familiar with paying. So you mentioned, Eric, a burger concept. If you are going to do burgers, people have kind of a number in their mind of what a burger should cost them, right? I, you know, a, a burger where I'm sitting down in a restaurant might be 12 bucks or 13 bucks. If you're in New York City, it might be 20 bucks. Um, but if you start charging $50 for a burger, people are going to go, it's a burger. Like, why are you charging me so much? So that reference price is what they're used to paying for an item they're familiar with. If you're serving things that people aren't familiar with. It's a cuisine that's unique or it's a menu item. I work with a a client who sells alligator in their restaurant, which is delicious, by the way. I had no idea. Um, Well, alligator is something that people... Yeah, I know. Who knew this tastes like chicken? It tastes tastes like chicken, but better. Anyway, it's good. Um, It's farmed alligator. Don't worry. There's There's no wild alligators harmed. But people don't have a reference price for alligator. So... You know, in theory, they could charge whatever they want because you know no one can say, ah, that's not what I pay for alligator. But you also have to keep into account what people are used to paying for, for an appetizer or for an, an entree. And you're not going to have some entree on your, your menu that's way priced outside everything else. Okay. Pricing right. is a whole other conversation. We could have another podcast on that one. Hey, you're always welcome back, Stephanie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to take you now to the, uh, I'm going to move this up here and I'm going to take you to a couple of tabs over, um, which is where we do the month to month projections. Now you're going to see what looks more like a pro forma financial statement now. And we'll go back to where some of this information comes from in just a moment. But this pro forma is kind of the magic of your estimate. This is where you take all that information, the average check, the number of of turns you're doing at a restaurant with table service, the number of orders you're getting, all of that is pushed together. And now we're adjusting month by month and actually week by week in order to get a really good estimate of what we think our revenues might look like. So you'll see in this sample, and I hope everyone can see this, again, the yellow cells are the only ones you put information in. You might think, well, in our concept, Januarys are pretty slow, but you'll see that there's a little down arrow here, and I can click on that, and I can choose one of those four levels that we defined earlier on in that first tab where we talked about company information. I can say it's going to be a normal week. It's going to be an awesome week because of maybe New Year's, or maybe it's just going to be a pretty good week because our concept is a cold weather concept, or we think it's going to be slow, whichever you like. And again, if you're really an Excel nerd, you can actually go in and change all of this. You can create more levels. You can do all kinds of adjustments if you need to. But most of us are not quite as nerdy 
Um, I'm, I'm a card carrying nerd and proud of it, but most people probably don't want to spend the time digging around. And these four levels are probably going to serve you pretty well. So you might want to adjust week by week. And if you've got good eyes, you'll notice as I'm tweaking these weeks and saying, yeah, week three, um, you know, is, is that no Super Bowl is usually in February, isn't it? I mean, I'm Canadian. I think hockey, so I, I don't know. End of February, beginning of January, I believe. It's usually right around that point. Okay. So let's say your concept, you think Super Bowl Sunday is going to be huge for you. So I'm going to make the last week of January really great. Now, some of you who are, are really calendar freaks will look at this and go, wait a minute, January is 31 days. That's more than four weeks. How come? How come? This has been set up so that it'll calculate 52 weeks. Um, and so some months will show four weeks and some months will show five. Don't, don't stress too much about that. Uh, but you'll see as I'm che- uh, adjusting these, you'll notice that the sales down here, right below where it says gross sales, those numbers are changing. So what it's doing is it's going and looking at the average check that you set up earlier, the number of covers, and it's going and looking at the adjustment factor that you had earlier on. That's kind of under the hood if you're into that stuff. But it doesn't really matter if you're not because it's giving you a much more accurate estimate, if that's not too much of an oxymoron, an accurate estimate. It's still an estimate, but it's giving you a better picture of what you think your revenues might look like for January, February, and so on. Wes, you have a question. I'm interested in... uh... We, we sort, you got into it a little bit on where the estimated number of covers came from. Curious. Uh, can you go back to that? Sure. That's in the sales projection tab. So I've jumped back to that and I'm going to scroll to the top. Okay. And again, these numbers, I have to stress, this is estimating. And for a lot of people, estimating is hard, especially if you come from a background where precision is important. Let me give you an example. I teach a lot of students who have you know, worked really hard to get into a university and they're really used to doing math where there is an answer. <laughs> and so they want to make sure they are perfectly right with their answer. And so to have to start thinking about, well, this is a guess. This is an educated guess, but it's a guess. That can be really uncomfortable for people who have sort of been trained, You know, whether you've been trained as a, a mathematician or an accountant or an auditor or something like that. This is really hard. Um, and for a lot of people, the tendency is to guess too high, to be overly optimistic. So that's why I'm suggesting you look at what your competition is doing. Um, if you don't have a lot of competition in your market, you, that's first of all, ask yourself why. Um, and when I say competition, it doesn't have to be a restaurant that's serving what you serve. It's the place that your customers go if they're not coming to you. That's your competition, right? They may not be serving the same thing. They may have a different price point or a different experience, but that's still where your, your guest is going if they're not going to you. So looking at where people are going out for a meal in that market, even if it's a different kind of restaurant, is worth doing. When we're going to go back to those month-to-month projections again, just so you can see. So we've been talking almost exclusively about your revenues, the money coming in, right? And that's because we started with that occupancy cost thumb rule, and you wanted to sort of compare that target, right? Occupancy costs being no more than 10% of your revenues to your possible revenues. 
There's one other thing to think about as you're thinking about how many covers or how many customers, which is how long is your typical experience going to be for your guest? And I don't mean necessarily how long they're sitting in a seat, but this is a capacity consideration. Um, Let me give you an example. Um, You're probably all familiar with Chipotle, right? Everybody knows Chipotle. And Chipotle, they don't really care how long you stay in a seat because you've ordered and paid for your food before you sit down. And so they're concerned about how long it takes to get you through the line. And there's only so fast that you can put someone through a line because they're, they're deciding what they want to eat, right? There's some guests who know immediately what their Chipotle order is and they just have the same thing all the time. But other guests are looking at the menu and they're looking at the line and they're like, Ooh, I'll have rice and I, I want that in a, in a burrito and I want this and I want that. When you are doing your pro forma, you need to think about how long is the process for a guest to go from order to pay? In a sit-down restaurant, that might be 45 minutes or an hour. In a fast casual restaurant, it might be just the time they spend in the line. Why is that important? Because when you're computing or figuring out how many customers you might have for a meal period, It's got to be a number that relates to how quickly you can process people. I see a lot of prospective restaurateurs say, we're going to do 200 covers at lunch, but there's no way they can actually serve 200 people in the normal lunch period in the market that they're choosing and with the concept that they have. So again, you've got to know a lot about your concept when you do your pro forma to say, okay, the most people we can put through in an hour based on the menu we have, the service model, how long it takes people to order and go through the meal experience. The most we can do in an hour is you know 110 or whatever it is. So don't estimate you're going to do more covers than that in an hour because your model can't handle it. So this is where a lot of people, again, I see some uh, what I'll call exuberance in estimating their covers. And this is especially true where you have guests going through a line and choosing. They, they tend to take a little more time than you might think to go through that. So I'm going to scroll through a little bit more of this. I see we're at the 1045 mark and I don't want to take too much more time, but I do want to show you the rest of just what this page looks like. And then we'll open the floor for some questions. Don't let uh, that number, that, that time, you know, uh, if you want more time, take by all means. Okay. Okay. Well, we can, we can talk a little bit about expenses too then, um, because that's kind of what I'm going to show you next on this model, which is in addition to your revenues, your sales, which of course are really important, right? Um, you also need to estimate your expenses. Now, you'll notice that there's nothing in here that's yellow. All of this is being calculated for you. But there is a number I want to point to that's really, 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 really important. And that's something called prime cost. And you might have heard of this. You might have talked about it. Um, Prime cost is, make this really clear if you're writing this down, it is your cost of goods sold. So what's that? That's your food cost, your liquor cost, and the cost of any paper products if you're doing things that go out of your restaurant doors. That's your cost of goods sold. So again, food cost, beverage, which includes liquor, and your paper products that go out the door. That's your cost of goods sold. So your prime cost is your cost of goods sold plus your labor cost. So hourly labor, management labor, and whatever benefits that you are required to pay or that you choose to pay. 
That's your labor cost. So those two things together, your cost of goods sold and your labor cost is called your prime cost. Now, another thumb rule for you. Prime cost in a perfect world should never exceed 65% of your revenues. Never exceed 65%. And ideally, you want it below 60%. That's a little tucker, or tougher to do these days. Um, labor costs are going up. Um, and I'm personally, I think that's a good thing. We want to make sure our staff is well compensated and taken care of. Because if they're happy, your guests will be happy. Um, but prime cost is one of those important numbers. And there'll be some months where prime cost will creep up, right? And other months where prime cost will drop. But that's where the model is going to do that calculation for you based on some additional information that you need to input. So I'm going to just scroll down to the bottom of this and then we'll show you where that prime cost information gets input. And then I think we'll, that's enough nerding out. At least it's a lot of spreadsheet to be talking about and looking at, but we can take some of your questions. But as I scroll down here, we have some other key numbers here, controllable profits. There's our friend occupancy costs, and it's also calculating depreciation. Don't worry about any of that. It's fine. It's all happening behind the scenes. And it's giving you the magic number, right? What's my net income? And perhaps even more importantly, what's my likely cash flow month by month? Again, these are estimates. I cannot stress enough. These are estimates. But the better job you do early on with what am I serving? Who are my guests, right? If you joined us last week, one of the key points I raised was that question of who's my guest and what do they care about? That's really helpful for you to start thinking about what kind of average check am I likely to have and how many customers am I likely to serve? Because all of it's going to feed together to get you to these numbers. And then it'll go all the way over and give you a total for the year. All right, final frontier that we'll talk about today in this model. We've talked about entering some information about the company, figuring out your check average for different parts of the day, figuring out what your weekly sales look like, adjusting those weekly sales. And now we're going to talk a little bit about expenses. And that is a tab in the model called operating assumptions. It, you know, at first you're like, why can't they just call it expenses like normal people would? Um, but there's some other things in here that aren't really expenses. So that's why it's called operating assumptions. But what it's done in this blue box at the top, it's taken all that weekly sales information that you exhaustively prepared earlier, and it's just transferred it over. And it's got a weekly average, and then it's got your annual sales. And you look at this and think, wow, the model's showing annual sales of 6.38 million. Woo, we're rich. Um, not necessarily. <laughs> um, it then asks you to input a whole bunch of stuff. And again, where you see yellow, that's where you put information in. And it's asking you for all kinds of stuff, like what kind of commissions will you be paying to delivery companies? And... What proportion of your sales do you think you're going to have to discount or use as complimentary, right? You have a guest who, you know, comes in and is concerned about something and you comp them a dessert or you, you know, it's somebody's birthday and you want to comp them a dessert. And I'm winking at your host. <laughs> it's my birthday. It's your birthday today. Happy birthday, Eric. Uh, so he's, he's, he's uh, 19 again. Well yeah. done. Well done. <laughs> A chunk of your sales, you're going to be comping for whatever reason. So it gives you an opportunity to put in what proportion you think you're going to comp. 
when I talked about cost of goods sold, right, we talked about food cost and liquor and and you have beer costs, and that's going to be different if it's bottled versus draft. And so there's a lot of places here where you can enter in the proportion of your selling price that is going towards the cost of these items. And you also can input what you're paying your management or your salaried employees. There's another tab, the hourly labor one that works out how much hourly labor you have to pay for for each day of the week and each shift of each day of the week. But here's where you can enter some information about salaried employees and benefits and, 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 and it takes you through all the different kinds of expenses you may have. Now, you might not have some of these expensive for your, your expenses for this concept. You might say, you know, we, we're not going to have flowers. That's not who we are. We're not, I mean, I personally like having fresh flowers around, uh, but you might say, ah, I have no flowers. I'm going to just put a zero there and that's fine. But some of these you can't get around, right? Um, you're going to be cleaning your restaurant. You're going to be bringing people in to do some cleaning, even if it's to clean the interior of the hood and the ductwork periodically. You've got to pay for that. So you're going to carry some amount every month. The sample, and here's where I'm back to the files that you can find on restaurantowner.com. The sample's great because the numbers that we've put in the sample are a good starting point. Your market may be different. Your needs might be different. So you can adjust these numbers. But I I always refer people to say, look at the sample. If you're not sure what value to put in here, use the sample number for now. It's a great starting point. And if you need to tweak later, that's fine. So there's all kinds of direct operating expenses. If you're paying for music, a lot of people don't realize that you can't just like put your Spotify on and play it. You do have to pay a fee for that service. Um, if you have live music, you need to pay your musicians. Please do. They are professionals. Um, you may have some other licensing fees you have to pay. Certainly your marketing expense, right? And there's lots of different categories here. You can tweak this if you are a nerd and you want to go into the model and add line items, you can. Um, utilities, accounting, it just goes on and on. I won't read it all off. There is a place here where you can put in what proportion of your guests are paying with credit cards. And these days, it's a very high proportion for most concepts. And you want to account for those credit card fees. So there's a place you can do that. But you might think, you know, this is too much right now. I'm too early in my process. I don't know all these numbers. That's fine. Use the sample and just leave all these numbers in place. Calculate your own revenues. Just use these. And just having these samples alone is worth getting this spreadsheet, I feel like, because you just don't know what's normal. Like most, most people breaking, even if you've been in this industry for 20 years, you don't know if, you're, if this is your first restaurant that you're opening, you don't like there's like, what are your, your reference points? You don't have any usually, right? Or yeah. some people, but I mean, I think, I think this is just a really great way to, to have those references in there is super invaluable. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Eric. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, this has to be my number. This is the right number or it's a benchmark. It's not. It's it's sort of a, a typical number, but it's going to vary by market and concept. So, you know, it gets you started. But, you know, like that, for, for example, it has $600 a month here for telephone, which actually I think is a little nutty. Um, and I should change that in the, the one that's posted because let's face it, most restaurants are not using a hotel phone system now. We used to. Now we tend to work with uh, cell phones almost exclusively. A $600 a month telephone system is probably unlikely. Um, And some of these other numbers, eh, your your lease, all the 
terms of your lease are going to vary a lot. So anyway, all that to say, we've got places to enter data. And then the last thing down here, it is for entering information about any loans you might have taken out. Um, I want to be very clear, though, for people who start a restaurant for the first time, the chances of you getting a loan from a bank are pretty small. I hate to say it, pretty small. Um, most of the time, you will be using equity financing, what we call friends and family, right? We mentioned it last week, F&F financing. So yeah. you may just zero this out. I'm not having any loans. It's you, all equity. Did you catch that, Stephanie? You're leaving out the fools. I've always been told. <laughs> and, 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 I am I am an optimist. People who invested <laughs> in your first restaurant, they're friends and family. They do it because they love you. Yes. They're not doing it to... Uh, <laughs> to necessarily make money. And don't panic if things like this happen. When you put in some values and it comes up with a message that says, you know, hashtag numb, it's fine. It's just the model going, oh, uh, there's no data there. I can't calculate these numbers, but that's fine. If you don't have a loan, it won't ruin any of your other pro forma calculations. All right. Oh my gosh. So nerdy, so overwhelming. I totally understand if right now you're like, I, I'm out. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's better than doing it on your own, right? It's better than, you know, if not having a skyline like this to me relieves the overwhelmness, like, cause you have guides, you have something like, you know, bringing you along the way. So, you know, you're not missing anything. Exactly. And there are lots of resources to help you with this. I mean, I know on restaurantowner.com, they've got some resources. I think they've got some videos um, you can also email them as you're working on this and they'll respond usually fairly quickly if you have questions. Um, but this, this is a way to make sure, just as Eric said, I'm so glad you mentioned it. It's kind of like guide rails again. Last time we talked about guide rails as you work on your business plan to help you kind of stay the course. This is the financial version of guide rails. And there's so much more in this model. Um, it gets to five-year projections, and uh, we can go talk about those another time. Um, but for most people, this is kind of the key, is working out what you think your revenues are going to look like. And that's a function of your check averages, the covers you're selling, how you adjust it week by week, and then what your likely performance is going to be on your expenses. And you can just use the sample for now, adjusting based on your specific concept. All right. Awesome. I am going to throw the floor open to questions because I, I think, think we're gonna, yeah. let's just take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially with this labor shortage. You need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, 
tasks, tips, and more all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you're already using, like Toast, to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Find out why past guests like Tenor Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now I've told you what's new with Plate IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Plate IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Plate IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check ACH or Play IQ card. Also with Play IQ bill pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right. No more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. What is one of the most overlooked and important marketing tools out there? It's your menu. And honestly, I cannot blame owners for overlooking their menu. It can be super tedious and boring work, let's be honest. Not to mention, it's time-consuming between all the other channels of marketing, i.e. social media, direct mail marketing, and managing your operations and customer relations. Who has the time to dink around with their menu? Not many people, right? So that's why I'm super excited to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. From the website to the marketing to the contactless ordering, Pop Menu is the full digital solution for your restaurant. Pop Menu also provides a dynamic mobile-friendly menu that hooks your customers from the start. And this is a really cool tool. Diners have the ability to leave dish reviews, which really helps your menu speak for itself. Beyond these engaging features, Pop Menu provides marketing tools to build long 
lasting relationships with your guests. For example, you have the power to send automated texts and emails to incentivize new orders or promote new dishes. You can even set up online ordering and delivery direct through Pop Menu. This means less ordering complications and loss commission to third-party apps. We all love that. Frankly speaking, when Pop Menu reached out to me to be a sponsor, I didn't know much about them. We all know my rules that I only promote the tools and services that are recommended on the show. So I had to reach out to my network to get their approval. And I have to tell you, the feedback has been nothing but positive. People really like the menu review feature, the email marketing integration, and the fast and friendly customer support, which cannot be overlooked. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you can lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Hey, guess what? We're back. And we are actually, I'm going to start with the first question because this is something I was curious about. And if there was a way you wanted to say you're in a, uh, an area that, that experiences seasonal, like very like, like clockwork seasonal weather, right? Uh, are you just using the feature that the very, I think it's maybe at the, I can't remember which tab it was on. But the company info tab. Yeah. Where you're going through and selecting like the, the, the periods of the, the months that you think are going to be, performing well versus other ones or oh no oh, the um oh sorry the the adjustments week by this is where we need to be that's fine i, I was just curious how do you do you accommodate for weather yeah, or is that something absolutely. is there a percentage yeah how do you get into absolutely that? great question so let's take a look at that because remember in the company info tab under the sales adjustment we talked about great weeks good weeks and slow weeks right we and you put up a value like for example i live in ithaca new york which is upstate new york and our winters can be pretty rough. They're, they're not as bad as Syracuse up the road. So if you're in Syracuse, um, you get it much worse than we do. But you might think, okay, it's going to be really bad weather. And the university isn't open in January. So the students aren't here. So I might say a slow week might be 50% of our typical weekly sales. And then when I go to the month to month tab, in the month of January, I might say it's going to be crazy slow all through January because I'm expecting lots of snowstorms and no students and the locals don't want to leave their houses. And so I'm going to change these to slow each week. So that's where you adjust for it. If you're in a location where you get hurricanes, first of all, stay safe. But um, you know, could go into the hurricane months and say, you know, on average, we get two or three hurricanes. You could pick them a, a week in each month and say, we're just going to assume one of those weeks is going to be slow because we know we're going to get some bad weather. It doesn't matter which week you choose. Spring break, right? If you're lucky. Spring, what's that? Hopefully that weather happens during spring break if you're lucky. If you're- <laughs> well, you don't, you don't want the, uh, the, I mean, the snowy weather or the hurricane. The snowy weather. Any weather. Yes. Ideally, overlaps during slow times is ideal, right? Yes. Uh, any questions from our, our, our attendees today? Uh, don't be afraid to raise your hand. If you just want to offer up some dialogue, now's the time. Don't be shy. Martha, I see you're unmuted. Uh, I see hands going up. Brandon, your hands up. You can go ahead and unmute it and ask your question. Okay. Um, in the financial projections for um, weekly, I think that's where it was at, uh, Martha. Mm-hmm. Um, it used guest average. 
Um, what's the benefit of using guest average versus like a per person average? Uh, in the sales projection tab? Uh, uh, back one, uh, check average. I think it was just the check averages maybe or the capital budget. Yeah, check averages. Okay. This is per guest as opposed to per table. Okay. So this is per person check average. So in the table service, you're thinking on typical person, you know, 85% of them will order a main dish. So you're thinking per person, not per table. Um, and it's the same thing when you're looking at the other ones. You'll see it says per order check average, per order check average. The reason that we did it this way is with delivery orders, often you don't know how many people your people are buying for, right? With delivery orders, someone just says, I need, you know, three burgers and this. And is it one person eating three burgers? We don't know. So for this part of the model, it's just for each order, what do we think is going to be purchased? For the table service, it's per person at the table. Does that kind of just absolutely? And that's and that's that kind of segues into my next question. Um, and and I apologize, I didn't look at there at the bottom. Um, to There's see a lot of stuff to look at. It's okay. Yeah, it, it does actually. Yeah, it, it calculates down to the per person average, which is which is awesome. Um, so in a in like an omni-channel uh, revenue channel uh, model like I have for existence, uh, for, for instance, um, in in-store sales, sit down dining, and then takeout and delivery are, are really big parts of my business. Um, would it make some sense to go into those other channels like takeout and delivery and spend a little bit more time and almost build like three different projections possibly, or should I just keep it simple? Well, you don't need to do three different projections because if you're if you're using this template, you're kind right. of doing that here with your um, check average calculation. And you'll see in the uh, months a month, I'm going to jump to that now. It actually will give you actually does it give you the months a month? It just gives you total food. No, it doesn't actually give you the the, the channel sales line by line. I think we do with the P and L. No, we don't. Um, I don't know that. I mean, if you think that's an important for your maybe for your labor planning, um, but I don't know that you need to go that route. Yes, it's protected. Good. Um, I don't know that you need to go that route, but you could. But I think the most important thing you're calculating is total revenues, right? And if you need to know how much revenue is coming from each channel, um, yeah, you'd have to do a little surgery on this to back that out. But the, as I mentioned, the model is already using the different channels to calculate things like commissions. So it's not it's it's not charging commissions on things that aren't in a channel that uses commissions. Um, but if you needed to back that out, yeah, you'd have to do a little surgery in here. Thank you. Wes, I see you with your hand up. And I see that you're putting questions into the chat, but why don't you just come join us and ask? Yeah. I just didn't want to forget. Uh, all right. So two questions. I'm on the uh, check averages page. Mm-hmm. So you got apps, main dish side, et cetera. So if I unlock it and I add something for like, let's say shareables, because that's sort of part of our model, you know, between app and main dish. Um, what I really want to make sure without completely breaking this is that we get to where the average check for food total Mm -hmm. is accurate because the rest of the spreadsheet is going to build off that. Is that correct? 
That is correct. And now I'm going to get, for those of you who are Excel people, um, you'll see the formula uh, if you are an Excel person. So if you're going to add something under food, just add it up here, you know, add yourself a line and it'll, the formula will update and take that into account. Don't add it down here because then you'll have to change the formula, which is good. All right. So then second with shareables, we talked a little bit earlier about you get into your decimal places. So, yes. you know, if somebody gets nachos, four people share it. That'd be a 0.25 that would go into that. But then I also need to try to figure out if my menu is sort of pushing to where like you've got four people, maybe you get a couple different shareables that would sort of take that average plate and then try to like guesstimate like out of four people, how many shareables get ordered and break it down by that. Yeah. And, and this is where I think the, the guesstimate is such an important word because mm-hmm. you're just trying to get a feel, right? You're never, you're not going to be hundred percent accurate. So don't beat yourself to a pulp going, okay. You know, I think 18% of my guests are going to be in parties of four. And, and they, no, I mean, you can just say, typically these are shareables, you know, they're typically shared. It's, it's a portion size. I'm thinking of something that's going to be, you know, I'm giving a visual here for those of you listening to the pod- podcast, you know, maybe it's a, a four portion, but two big guys might split it. So, you know, I'm going to put in 0.33 and, and call it a day. That's fine. Um, Cause to be honest, by the time you, this all calculates through little tweaks like that, aren't going to make a huge difference to your revenues. Um, but yeah, I mean, depending on how precise you want to get, but I'm glad you raised it because you don't have to get that precise yet. If you just want to put in very basic numbers here for now and just say, assume one and assume, you know, 90% for all of these things, that's fine. Um, it just gives you a target. And I think what a lot of people do is they put all their numbers in, they get a total amount of revenues, and then they stop and look at their occupancy cost, right? They do that calculation and they look at their prime cost. And if you're on target with those two numbers and you haven't like gone crazy with, I'm going to do, you know, 600 covers at lunch and 500 covers at dinner or whatever, um, that's a good place to begin. But don't, don't worry about being hundred percent precise because it is an estimate. I see that you had another question. Uh, do you want to go ahead and ask that? Yeah. So jumping over to sales projection. Mm-hmm sort of coming back to this because uh, this is my biggest struggle right now is is figuring out a way to estimate sales projections. Okay. So looking at your formula, it's basically just if it's offered, it's one turn. If it's not offered, it's zero turns. Well, um, you can adjust the number of turns. Right. So, and and so, so then where you've gone into like 0.8 or 2.0 or 1.5, that's just sort of a manual adjust. So the spreadsheet will build assuming one turn and then anything else you want to do on your turns to increase, decrease, you're just going to do that manually from there. Is that correct? The, the correct. gist of it. And this, when we talk about turns, this is specifically for dine in. Now, if you have Again, if you're talking about delivery or or takeout or curbside, and I know, Wes, because we had a conversation last week, you also have catering, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a place for you to do catering sales and how many events you're going to have, both whether they're in-house or if you're going to do catered events that are out of house. And if you have merch. So I'm again, Wes, I know you might talk about having some merch. Again, you can adjust what these say, um, but you know, how much merch are you going to do? And 
I think, Brandon, this might get to your question. It will break out for you the sales by channel here in this location. But this is just for the whole week um, or for sorry, for that day. And it doesn't break do the, the adjustment uh, by channel for the month to month. It just takes everything together. But you could start lifting some of these cells if you were into this and say, okay, you know, I want to know what my delivery looks like week by week with these volume adjustments that I think are going to be different. Well, let's take the snowstorm example, right? If you have snowstorm, your dine-in may be nothing, bleh, terrible week, but your delivery might go through the roof. So you might want to play with that in your model and say, okay, my delivery channel most weeks is here, but with January, February, March, when the weather's bad, I'm going to push up what I think my delivery might look like. So you could do that. The model isn't really set up to do that at the moment, but that just as we talk about it, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have built something in to do that. There, there is a, a fine line between making it so complicated that most people are just freaked out um, and also being able to accommodate lots of different scenarios. Um, but yeah, you do. I knew there was a place where the channel calculation was done and there it is. Okay. I do not see any other hands up. Oh, Wes, that hand's hot. Keep going for it, man. All the <laughs> All right. you want. Well, I just wanted to sort of say that I, I really appreciate you putting this together and, and getting up on restaurantowner.com because it is a phenomenal starting point with a little bit of automation that uh, just sort of helps you run mentally through it. Um, you know, I've got some, we want to do retail, but I can see that with just a little bit of tweaking, you can build that into it. You can add new channels and, and you've already got the template started. So that just makes life really easy. And I just want to say thank you for walking us through it and, and talking about it some, because I think it's, it's a really, really helpful starting point for someone like me who's just trying to get it figured out. So. Well, thank you. And I need to give a total shout out to Jim Laub and Joe Erickson, who are the people behind restaurantowner.com. They built the model originally. Um, and if you have been to their site before, they actually had different models. There was one for table service and one for QSR. And, and they approached me earlier this year and said, can you help update this model? And because I've been using it, the reason I think this is such a good tool is I've been teaching from it at Cornell for 15 years and over 15 years working with lots of students that I saw the things that worked for them and how many of them are Excel geeks and they added their own tricks and tools to this. So what you're seeing here is, is an evolution of something that Jim and Joe started. Um, and I've just been kind of layering on what I've learned. Yeah. And I will share that sentiment as well. Uh, thank you, Jim and Joe. And uh, Michael, I do see your hand up. Would you like to contribute? Yes. Um, I, I totally agree with what Wes just said about uh, th th this was a phenomenal uh, spreadsheet. And I think any professional who is starting a restaurant who does not use this is absolutely foolish because this is what's going to make anybody successful in whatever um, business or restaurant they want to open. So, um, Stephanie, I thank you for putting this together for everybody. How much oh. money do Jim and Joe pay you guys? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do have, I do have one quick question on, on, um, on my notes here. Um, oh, on the average check, if I may. Yes, of course. So, so my um, model is, uh, I'm going to use the word unique. I know we shouldn't use that word. 
but I'm opening a takeout gourmet sandwich shop bakery. Okay. So in calculating an average check cost, people buy with their eyes. So they're going to come in and they're going to see, of course, my breakfast sandwiches, my lunch sandwiches, and all baked goods. And yes, I want that. I want that. I want that. And of course, is what I want to hear. So other than a sandwich, a drink, a brownie, a pie, a cake, a dessert cup, whatever, um, how do I calculate if, I, if, I, if a dozen donuts are 15 or $18, because donuts will be a big part of it as well, um, in the morning, um, how do I calculate an average check cost based mm-hmm. on people? I know people are just going to be coming in for that breakfast sandwich and a cup of coffee. I know people are going to be coming in and buying a couple of pies or cakes, desserts, et cetera. So mm-hmm. how do I come up with an accurate number um, just to plug in? Well, that's an awesome question, Michael. Um, and again, accurate, right? Accurate guesstimate. Here's what I would do. do you, are you an Excel person? I've worked with it, yes. Okay. So I would go into this model and I would change some of these. Instead of being table service and takeout or whatever, I would have um, buying meal, buying whole like retail. And maybe you can just use the, now that I think about it, you don't even have to change it. You could just use the, the takeout. Do you have any seating? Are you planning on any seating? A, a, a few, just, you know, because some people just don't want to take it in a bag and leave. So there'll be, a, you know, a few seats. So for you, what I would do is ignore the table service part. No, no, no service, just, just grab just it. Just ignore it. I would just put zeros all the way down. Blah, 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 nothing. Again, where it says at the top here, it says to do enter data in the TAN cells. On my computer, it looks actually yellow, but that's okay. Enter zero or leave blank any TAN cells your operation doesn't require. So for you, what I would do is use the takeout and treat that sort of like for the people who are buying food items. You know, I'm buying a breakfast sandwich and a coffee um, or I'm buying a lunch sandwich and a, and a soda, whatever it is. And then there is a category further over for retail other revenue centers, um, you may need, see where it says wholesale, right? You may want to build this yeah. section out a lot more. Okay. And and you might want to even create your own category for retail sales. And instead of having lunch, dinner, happy hour, you just have times of day, morning, afternoon, whatever, and say, you know, these are whole items. People are buying whole, you know, pie. A whole pie average price is $15. I mean, I don't know. A cake, a whole item. And then you could have slices, slice pie, this. I mean, you, you can get as, as detailed as you need to, but I do need to stress you are guesstimating at this point. So don't worry about getting so nuanced in this. Um, that you're like, okay, but I'm going to charge more for rhubarb than I am for, eh, don't worry about that. But um, rhubarb rhubarb is my favorite, just want to say. Um, But I would, (laughs) I just realized I was wearing a rhubarb color shirt. But I would would just adapt this using the retail part for your non-sort of, because you may find that that changes your labor, I don't know. Um, So you might want to adjust that, but Again, you you don't have to use parts of this model that don't make sense for your concept. So I would sort of focus on this takeout, drive-through, curbside service part for your meals, and then adapt one of these other categories for your retail. Gotcha. Thank you very much. Great questions. Uh, We do have two more hands up. Uh, Bob, go for it. 
Well, I'm, I'm just enjoying the hell out of this because I've been using this template for more than a decade. Oh, so and, you see all the changes. Well, I mean, I can tell you I've done enough of these models to even forget what I remembered. Uh, some of the most um, celebrity of chefs have come to me for this stuff. But uh, you could play, you know, once you get really comfortable with it, I, I think if you're just starting out, uh, you should just be worried about, you know, your revenue projection as a, as a total number, uh, not get caught up too much in the minutia. Uh, but you still need the, the two most important factors. How many people are coming through the door by day? And what's my check average? And it doesn't matter what your concept is at that point. It, it, it goes, it breaks down to that. Uh, and I liked Wes's comment about going to the bank with a set of numbers that have um, basis. <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot of guys put together this model and uh, not know the proper operating assumptions. Um, you're right about uh, using the the model that is pre-filled just to get give yourself an idea. Uh, but I would tell everybody. You want to start this exercise by saying, how much do I want to make? Don't go by the industry average. Uh, I tell my clients that you're shooting for a 55% uh, prime cost. But, uh, and if you're in New York City, you're not going to, you're probably going to be 12% rent, not 10. Uh, and if you're in Syracuse, you're probably 8 <laughs> Uh, ah, you'd be amazed. No, oh, I'm not. I, I, nothing, surpri- <laughs> nothing surprises me anymore. Uh, actually, because of the pandemic, it's the best time to make a deal. Yes. Uh, yes. But, you know, the, the, you're, if by nature, the, the nature of the beast is a, an equity investment, uh, the five-year tab that you didn't go over too much mm-hmm. on the bottom shows return on investment and some of the other things in it that uh, an investor would want to know. Awesome. It, it provides for the equity flip and it does all kinds of other things that are cute. Yeah. And we did, we, we did just scrape the surface today too. I think it's oh, yeah. worth yeah. pointing out that this, this tool that Stephanie is using is very robust. Uh, I lost count of the amount of, tabs are at the bottom of this spreadsheet uh, but we well, it, it, used, it, it used to be a lot simpler I, she's probably added a million things at least i could tell you the last update i had of my uh old school folder wasn't it didn't allow for uh you know check averages and a couple of the other those are new tabs uh this sheet has grown tremendously over the course of time yeah uh, yeah, it's I'm sorry, in some ways maybe too much. I don't know. It might be overwhelming to some people, but well, it has grown absolutely. Yeah, I get I get more restaurateurs asking me to do this, <laughs> uh, or at least walking through it. Uh, they they have still have a feeling that they have to do it. It's it's a great exercise for building your model, but yeah. what what isn't discussed in in probably the third session is going to be how all this relates to your operational model. Well, that is a great segue into our pitch for there is still one more session for business planning. Uh, so maybe, Stephanie, if you want to give us a little more of a heads up on what we can expect next week, uh, we can start wrapping things up. We will be here in the weeds of the capital budget. Um, so my background before I became an academic, I was a commercial kitchen designer and worked on build outs for 
restaurants and hospitals and hotels and airports and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and the capital budget is where you figure out how much it's going to cost you to actually create this restaurant. <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize all the things that go into it. So we're going to spend some time talking in general about the things that go into your capital budget, places to economize and places to not try to economize. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time in the capital budget tab of this model to show you, sort of walk you through where some of these items are um, and some things that you need to think about that most people don't consider. So that's next week. Yes. And we did do a really great episode with Ken Schwartz. Uh, I think it was Ken Schwartz on... um, Ramping up your financial sustainability, I think, is the the title of that episode. We'll be sure to link to it in the show notes. I, I recommend listening to that episode before joining us next week to kind of, I don't know, get a little bit more familiar with that subject of raising capital and just getting real with what it's going to cost. Because uh, there's so many variables that people just don't consider. And this, I mean, just missing one of these variables can be the difference between making it and breaking it. So, or, you know, so I think it's worth. Yeah, I'm excited for next week. And this was another great session today. Thank you very much, Stephanie. And just a reminder that if you guys are not a member of restaurantowner.com, if you join Restaurant Unstoppable Network, you get six months free access. And that's because I'm just going to the people that are being organically referred and recommended to us. And I think that today is just another testament to what they're doing over there at restaurantowner.com. We didn't plant these people talking about how great Restaurant Owner is. Like It's a really great tool. So uh, join Restaurant Unstoppable Network, get six months free access to restaurantowner.com and come join us for next Monday's episode if you are able to join the network between now and when we go live next week. So <clears throat> awesome stuff. Um, any final words, Stephanie? Um, I hope that your coffee didn't get cold during all of this because it was a pretty uh, hardcore session, but I really appreciate you all being here today. And I'm really looking forward to wrapping up with this on next week. And if you need to reach me, um, you can drop me a note at skr4 at cornell.edu. I'm happy to answer your questions up up to a point. Um, But if you need additional help, uh, we can talk about how I can help you with your business. Awesome. So much. Thank you so much. Uh, I think we can say goodbye unless um, there's anything we haven't done. I think we're pretty much wrapped, right? I would say we're well over time. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Stephanie. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable and we'll see you next week. Thanks. See you then. Bye. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Stephanie Robson for just wow dropping so much value and I know this is an overwhelming episode uh, but again uh, there is a video component to this episode head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 822 we'll have the video component hosted over there for you and you can actually jump over to our YouTube channel from there and subscribe because if you haven't subscribed you're missing out Jared has been crushing it uh, for every episode we do he uh takes components uh clips from the episode and does highlight reels uh and we have every on-site episode we've ever recorded uh over there at restaurant unstoppables youtube page so uh you're missing out uh one other thing that i want to make sure you guys are aware of actually two more things first head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com and join the network to get six months free access to restaurantowner.com where you can find the templates that we're using in today's episode. It was actually 
Stephanie and uh, restaurantowner.com that partnered up to create these spreadsheets and these templates that you can use for business planning. So join the network, get that six months free access to restaurantowner.com, get those assets and get the support from the network because over the next couple months, I'm going to be working on my business plan. I know there's a few people in the network that are going to be working on their business plans and I would like to start blocking time to do like a group study. Uh, and you know, help each other out. So if that sounds like it's something that you'd like to be involved with, then come hang out at restaurantstoppablenetwork.com. And the other thing that I wanted to let you know is that Stephanie is making herself available for one-on-one coaching through business plans. Her rate is $300 an hour. Uh, and that might sound like a lot, but I'm telling you, if you can expedite this process if you can get the questions you have answered and you can get that hand holding i'll be honest i'm one of those people that needs to get my hand holded or held uh hand holded my hand held because it's i have questions i'm a slow i'm a slow processor and i'm not too embarrassed to admit that and if i can get that one-on-one time i'm gonna i'm gonna take it so if you're like me and you want that one-on-one time uh do reach out to stephanie her email was shared at the end of the episode and please cc me eric at restaurantunstoppable.com i would love to uh, know who I'm sending her way and uh, special thanks to uh, Stephanie she is going to be kicking giving me a little kickback for everybody I send her way uh, and that really just goes a long way in supporting this podcast so thank you Stephanie thank you guys for using our links thank you for joining the network I hope you guys enjoyed this until next time peace out peace out